Now, to briefly summarize where we were last time, we're tracing down this woman to look at her in prophetic scripture. Because as I said, I think that we've sort of, we sort of just lost connection with her at uh, the, uh, after she flees into the wilderness. But much is said in the scriptures about a great falling away at the end of the age, a separation between those who say they are of Christ and those who exactly are of Christ. And in framing this separation, I wanted to begin with showing who the woman of Revelation 12 was. So we went through and showed that in this woman was the Son, was the Son of Son of God, quite frankly. Now, she takes on many forms in, up until the end of the age. One of the forms was Israel that carried Judah in her as she left Egypt to go to the Promised Land and she was cared for, Israel was cared for uh, in the wilderness Uh, supernaturally by God. Secondly, Mary carried Jesus in her womb and at the time when she was about to give birth to the Lord, uh, Herod sought to kill him and uh, uh, an an agent of the evil one, Herod is a type and shadow of before like like, um, Pharaoh in Egypt, trying to kill Moses uh, prior to the people being set free because all of these things indicate that eventually there will be a separating out between the woman and the child or the, the son whom the woman gives birth to. The enemy is limited in his ability to have any measure of success against the Son and he finds himself often relegated to tormenting those connected to the Son and that's where the woman comes in. And we want to trace her down and find her. The shocking truth is that she in fact is the one who becomes the harlot. The woman of Revelation 12 is the same woman of Revelation 17, the harlot. Because when the holy ones have been separated out of her, the light and the glory that she once has has departed. Now you may say, well, Didn't she have the chance to to be included in those who are the Son? Of course she did. Israel had the same opportunity. When they expelled the Son, when they killed the Son, what happened? Absolute desolation. When the early church fell into apostasy in the days of the Roman Empire, what happened? 
it sought favor from the kings of the earth. On one occasion, it anointed the son of Charles Martel, Charlemagne, to be the Holy Roman Emperor, eventually hoping to leverage her position of favor into actual rule. And that form of rule, you see, is apart from the Son. It's the rule that results when people who claim to belong to Christ yet insist on having, as Ralph Reed would put it, a seat at the political table. You can see where I'm going with that insert because this present debacle of the church, of the evangelical church, is that falling away, is that movement toward the harlotry that ultimately is described as Babylon the mother of harlots. And there will come a time when even the remnant of people who love the Lord, who are still in that thing that has now become so debauched as to be compared to a harlot vis-a-vis the true bride of Christ, there will come a time when the declaration will clearly be, come out of her, my people. Whoever is yet in this institution, whoever is yet in this fallen state of those who once claimed an association with Christ, uh, uh, there will be a clear time and that time in my estimation is very quickly upon us where the word of the Lord will come to be, get out, get out of her, but I'm ahead of myself. Let me lay up the foundation much more carefully than I have done before. So what I want to do here is show you that from the beginning this showdown was inevitable. Let's look back at the ancient serpent. You remember uh, we had read in uh, the earlier part of Revelation, uh, it says, now the dragon, uh, that ancient serpent, the devil and Satan uh, was cast down. So we know who Uh, this great serpent is or this dragon is. He's the ancient serpent, right? uh, Here here we have it, war in heaven, dragon uh, fought against Michael and his angels, they fought back, it could not prevail, no place found for them in heaven, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, that's where we want to go. We want to go and look at this dragon who is depicted as the constellation Draco in the heavens, but is identified as as that malefactor from the beginning known as the serpent, that old serpent called the devil, Satan, and the deceiver of the whole world from the beginning. When you find him, here's what you find. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. You know, it's, it's, it's shocking to me how on the point of Scripture 
all these things are. You don't have to look outside of Scripture, you don't have to speculate. In fact, so much of what we call prophecy today is no more than the speculations of men, of men and women of unspiritual minds. The guidelines, the landing path of prophecy is well lighted in the Scriptures, but it requires a spiritual mind to see the things that are written in Scripture ahead of time. So let's go back to Genesis 3. The story is of the fall of man. There is the interaction between Satan and the woman and then Satan and the man, and then even some interaction with God. God calls all three to judgment after man had disobeyed God. So God in His just and righteous ways goes looking for them and He says when He finds them, uh, having said, Where are you? The man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said to him, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, you love this, the man said, Well, the woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit and I ate. That's the original throwing under the bus. The man throws the woman under the bus, so to speak, blaming her. So the Lord follows as He would, follows every lead and He says unto the woman, What is it that you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. So first the man said, Well, it's not my fault, the woman you gave me, she's the one who made me do this. The woman said, The devil made me do this, he deceived me. So God moves down the chain because this is the fact finding portion of the inquiry before sentencing, for judgment and sentencing. Lord said to the serpent, Interestingly, the Lord didn't say to the serpent, What did you do? What is it that you've done? Said that to the man, he said that to the woman, but he doesn't say that to the serpent. He knows the serpent. Things have happened before with this serpent, with this ancient serpent who is the devil or Hasatan. This is the angel who fell with the other angels. War in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. So all three are here. It is erroneous to suggest that Adam and the, the devil or, or Satan, Satan, are the same. I will put enmity, rather God said to the serpent, 
because you have done this. In other words, God didn't ask him what he thought. God simply spoke to address him, having concluded that he did this because it was the nature of the serpent to lie. It's the nature of Satan, a liar and a deceiver who has deceived the world from the beginning. I'll put enmity between the woman and between your offspring. So what is prophesied here? What is prophesied here before the woman has any children or any child has emerged out of a womb, a specific offspring is prophesied. Not, I will put enmity between your offspring and her offsprings. So this isn't general or generic. It's a specific offspring and it goes forward leaving no doubt whatsoever that he's speaking of the specific offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This offspring will strike a mortal blow to one of the seven heads of the beast. It will have recovered by the end of the age. But when Christ died on the cross, the specific prophecy here, he, he struck the first blow that John the Apostle describes in 1 John chapter 3 at about verse 15, that the Son of God when He's revealed will destroy the works of the devil. But this destruction is a progressive destruction. It will have begun with Jesus on the cross, but it was never meant to be the final blow. Why? Paul writes to this issue and he says in the book of Ephesians, also the third chapter, that there were things that God had hidden in Himself for long ages past and His intent, God's intent was that now through the church, through the body of Christ, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to whom? To principalities and powers in the heavenly realms, that which God had accomplished in Christ. So it was a two-stage process. So the mortal wound to the head, it will be mortal in that ultimately it will destroy the works of the devil. In that sense, its mortality, its end is assured. But the first wound was the death of Christ. That was a wound to the head and it's specifically promised, He will bruise your head, you will bruise His heel. So Satan succeeded in arranging for the death of Christ, however this was a pirate victory because Christ would live again in His body on the earth. He would live again being 
actually raised from the dead and taken up into heaven. But like he said to, to when he sent when the statement was made, Herod wants to kill you. He spoke back not to Herod but to Satan, reminding him of this very truth that was prophesied from the beginning. Which truth was? I will cast out demons today and tomorrow. Why does he say cast out demons? Uh, I will heal the sick, I will raise the dead, and I'll cast out demons today and tomorrow. Why does he specifically focus on casting out demons? Because he himself had said, and if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of heaven has come to you. In short, clothed in the authority of the kingdom of heaven, which is inclusive of all authority in heaven and on earth. He then has the power through the church to ultimately fulfill the promise that the revealed Son would destroy all the works of the devil. But we see the initiation of this when Jesus is crucified but raised again from the dead and the light has come into the world. It's a, it's a direct challenge to the hegemony of the, of the deceptive lies that had been begun and continued since the deception of Adam. But then it was, to be, it was to reach its apogee, it was to reach its fulfillment in the body of Christ. His intent, Paul said again in the book of Ephesians 3, God's intent was that now through the church the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to principalities and powers in the heavenly realms. You see, base and vain speculation is not a substitute for the knowledge of the Word of God. It's not just knowing about the Bible, but seeing how God wisely connects everything together. This is an operation that is undertaken by the Spirit of God through human agencies. So, when we go back now to Revelation uh, uh, 12, the woman is about to give birth, the devil is waiting to devour the child, but the child is caught up to God and to his throne. And as I mentioned in regards to that, to God and to his throne is not an indication that Jesus went to heaven or that it's not a reference to Jesus going to heaven, it's instead a reference to the fact that we are as his disciples and as his body in particular, we are seated on the throne of divine authority and we are allowed to bring forth judgment upon all the works of the devil. So the woman, the child who's brought forth 
And I mentioned before in the last uh, broadcast when it says, Now the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. The male child, it had been previously described, was caught up to God and His throne. Uh, I mentioned also that the terms male and child, uh, the reference to a man who is fully grown, the weos of God. Let me go back and, and, and frame that more perfectly. Uh, She said, she bore a male child, this is verse 5 of Revelation 12, the woman bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Clearly Christ, but equally clearly Christ doing it through His body. And this is not some new invention, this was always what God intended, His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to principalities and powers. These were things that God hid in Himself according to Paul in the third chapter of Ephesians, these were things that God hid in Himself for long ages past. This was not a new thought. So when, the, when, when it was said in the book of, of Genesis chapter 3, chapter 3 that the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman, would crush the head of the serpent, it has that double entendre because whoever is in Christ is viewed as being the same as Christ for the purposes of God. So the crushing of the head was a two-stage operation. One was when Christ actually died on the cross and introduced the first wave of the destruction of the deception of the enemy. The second wave would come when the body of Christ had been fully matured. So that's what he's talking about here. The son who is caught up to God and His throne, ruling by the authority that was inherently given to Christ, the pattern son who is also in his body the collection of all the sons. All right? The woman then flees into the wilderness. Now it goes on to talk about the war in heaven, like I said, I'll come back to that. Uh, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony and that they did not love their lives even unto death. So there's an accusation against those who are in Christ. It says, Then I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, verse 10, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of God have come and the power of His Christ, that has come. Where has it come to? It says, Satan and his angels were cast out. And then this is said about power and and, uh, the kingdom of God has come because the accuser of the brethren 
has been cast down. Where has he been cast down to? It says, Rejoice, you heavens, and those who dwell in it, in them, but woe to the inhabitants of the earth and in the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great, great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. So we, though we are on the earth, are seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, we are seated upon the throne of God. So though we live on the earth, we operate on the earth by divine authority. And to that end, salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. To whom? To those who are in the Lamb. And when that happens, they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his testimony, and that they did not love their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, because we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The fact that we are bodily on the earth does not matter. We are operating by the authority of the throne of God. That's what Jesus said when He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me, go ye therefore. So if you are going therefore on the basis of that authority, you are seated in the heavenly realms because you are in Christ Jesus. You are on the throne of the Father with the Lord Jesus Christ. And for you, the accuser of the brethren has been cast down and his wrath now shifts to the woman. Now that the dragon that has been cast to the earth, uh, now when he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman. But the woman was given wings of a, two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. Now, what I want to show you now in the next set of teachings is how this woman progressively loses her place of divine authority, divine presence, divine protection, and how she becomes the harlot. Because there's when the, when the child comes out of the woman, there's a separation. And what's left of the woman, because we're talking about the, the body of Christ, and we're talking about that out of which the body of Christ has come. It, it varies over time in history. At one time, the body of Christ was firmly in the Jewish people. 
but it was separated out at the time of Christ. The early church was Jewish, but then it became the Gentile church and the Jews went into uh, Roman captivity and so on. So we want to follow that when we come back and look at what eventually happens to the woman. I'm Sam Solon. We'll continue then. Thank you. Bye-bye.